0: ...and join us together today in Exodus chapter 5. As we move along, we find that there is now a clash between two kingdoms. It's really not a war and a battle between Moses and Pharaoh... ...because Moses would lose every time. Pharaoh was powerful. He was rich. He had all kinds of resources. And Moses is an 80-year-old shepherd... ...who has spent 40 years in the backside of the desert... And can you imagine when Moses comes before Pharaoh and he says, the God of the Hebrews says to let my people go. And Pharaoh probably looked and said, is this the best the God of the Hebrews can do? Not very impressive, not uh, anything that would get anybody's attention. And yet there's a showdown here because it's not between uh, Pharaoh and Moses. It's between God and Pharaoh, and I think we know who's going to win. And there's always a kingdom clash going on in this world. There's always a war and a battle that is going on. And there's the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. We've seen them clash before. For example, when you think about Daniel... ...whenever he was in Persia... ...and the Persian, or the Persian king said... ...you can't pray to anyone except to me. And what happened there? There was a clash between the kingdom of God... ...and the kingdom of darkness. And what did Daniel do? He prayed to God and ended up in the lion's den. Some things are worth dying for, aren't they? We think about this when Jesus stood before Pilate. There Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords standing before someone that he made and Pilate has the audacity to say don't you realize that I have the power over your life and Jesus said you would have no power unless it was granted unto you there was a a kingdom clash that was going on even in that situation and it still goes on today there are times when Things that God says and that God commands are scoffed at, laughed at, and ignored and violated by the kingdoms of this world. Just recently, there was a government official who said, God didn't flatten the curve, we did that. Can you imagine the audacity of someone saying that? And yet, that's the way it is, and that's the world in which we live. And you and I are going to face these things, and we're going to face them in everyday life. And I guess the big question for all of this is, who's going to rule and who's going to reign? Now, those of us who are Bible believers know, because we've read the end of the book. Jesus wins, and Jesus will be crowned as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But in day-to-day life, this clash comes up, and you and I have questions that we have to ask. I hope you're asking, and questions that also have to be answered. And so I want to read the the text. So let's go to uh, Exodus chapter 5 and let's look at verse 1. We'll begin reading there. It says afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with a sword. Verse 4. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron... Why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many, and now you make them rest from their labor. And we'll stop there. Because the first question that comes up in all of this, it's the big question, and that is simply, who are you? Who are we? Whose are we, maybe we should say? Because you'll notice that if we would have been talking about this, we might have said, hey, Pharaoh, let your slaves go. Let your people be free. But God didn't say that. Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people, not your people, my people go. You see, folks, whoever we may be and wherever we may find ourselves in, we are the children of God. We're created by God, created in the image of God. We are redeemed by God. We're saved by God. The grace of God is upon us. And those of us who are believers have God dwelling within us in the Holy Spirit, right? And we are His people. We may be citizens of America, but we are the people of God. And when the two clash, being the people of God, being in the kingdom of God, always, always, always wins. So when you identify yourself as a slave, When you identify yourself as one of Pharaoh's servants, it changes everything. But when you see yourself as a child of God, as the covenant people of God, then everything changes. Your attitude changes, your demeanor changes, and it even is a change in loyalty. You think about God saying, having the audacity to say to the most powerful man on the earth... Let my people go. Who has the right to do that? Well, you notice in here God doesn't say please because the clear implication of all of this is no matter whether it's Pharaoh no matter whether it's a president of the United States no matter whether it is a dictator in a third world country it doesn't matter God rules and reigns supreme and what he says goes and his will is going to be done because he is a holy God he is a sovereign God and he has already planned and determined everything that is going to happen especially the outcome And he wins because he is the one who is sovereign. Now I want you to think about, as American citizens, it's easy for us to say, well, obey the law of the land. But what if the law of the land is corrupt? What if the law of the land is immoral? Are we to obey it? And we're reminded in the book of Acts of the story where two disciples were before the Sanhedrin and they said we ought to obey God rather than men. There's a higher king, there's a higher calling, and there is a higher law. Now our founders in our nation understood this. They understood that we belong to the Lord, not to the government, that He rules us, He tells us what is right or wrong, and we pledge allegiance to Him above all others because our rights do not come from the government. Our rights do not come from the government. They come from God. In fact, in our Declaration of Independence, let me read a paragraph out of this. It says, We hold these truths to be self-evident, "...that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights... "...that among these are are the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. "...that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Let me make a few observations on that. Did you notice it says in there, the founders believed we were created? No evolution in that, is there? And then they also said that the rights that we have are given to us by God. In fact, they're unalienable. They cannot be separated from us. No matter where we are, no matter what the government is, no matter who the king is, these are rights that we have that are God-given. They're unalienable rights. And then he, they said in here that the purpose of the government is not to grant rights to people, but to protect and guard the rights that God Almighty has given to men. Boy, what a difference that we see in the world today. What a different philosophy we see when people make statements that kind of say, well, I'm president and you're not. I'm governor and you're not. I'm the mayor and you're not. And they rule over us and they try to superimpose their will upon us, sometimes with arrogance. If only they could understand, like Pharaoh, you don't rule anything. You are subject to God, to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So whenever we face the clash of kingdoms, we have to first stop and think about who we are. We are the people of God. The second question that comes up, Pharaoh actually asked it, In face value, maybe it's not a bad question, he says, who is the Lord? And that is the... The big issue here, who is the Lord? Pharaoh is watching this ragtag group coming into him because it was not only Moses and Aaron, but I think it included the elders of Israel, slaves. And as they come in together with, uh, uh, to meet with Pharaoh, Pharaoh looks at them, and boy, this is an impressive group, isn't it? You've got some people that have been enslaved. You've got some people who have been in the desert. Not very impressive, not very powerful. There's no real influence that they have. When they walked into town, nobody was stopping and saying, Who are they and what are they here for? They stand before Pharaoh the king, and he is completely underwhelmed by this, right? And when they tell him why they are there, can you kind of hear the sneer in his voice? When he says, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, and I will not let the people go. You see, Pharaoh's under the impression he has some power. He's under the impression that he's got a choice. He's under the impression that he's the one that decides the outcome of all of this, and nothing could be further from the truth. And before long, Pharaoh is going to realize that. I'm concerned that sometimes people that we elect as our leaders, they forget that the power of government in our country is we the people. And why do we the people have that power? Because, as we said earlier, the rights we have are granted to us by God. And sometimes they forget that they are to serve us and they are to represent us sometimes they get a little big for their britches sometimes and we think about that because we can do the same thing anytime we get a little taste of power we as humans even us we tend to do the wrong things with it we tend to make more out of it than it really is and we need to understand that the people that we elect as our leaders are simply human I kinda feel sorry for the president I kinda feel sorry for our governor Because when you think about especially the governor right now, he can't do anything right. If he opens things up and lets the economy flourish, then you've got all of these people who act as if they would know what to do. And they are saying he's doing too much and he's putting us in danger. The truth is they don't know any more than he does. And then if he locks everything down. You've got the other people saying, we can't let the economy die. Why won't he let us have our freedom and treat us like adults? He can't win. You need to pray for him that he would have wisdom in all of these things, because he needs the wisdom of God. Because the truth of the matter is, none of us really know what we're facing, none of us really know the outcome of anything, none of us saw this coming, and so we need the wisdom of Solomon, and Solomon got his wisdom from God, didn't he? And we need to understand here that when we are dealing with the kingdoms of this world and we are dealing with the pharaohs of this world, we might say, that they're asking a question as they look at us. You don't look very powerful. You don't look very competent. You don't look very intimidating. So why should I obey your God? Now, we might look at that and say, yeah, that's a good thing. I need to talk to the Lord about that. And uh, Lord, if you would give me more talent, if you would give me more ability, if you would give me more persuasiveness, well, then I could really do something for you. But then again, if that happened, you would probably get the glory. And God wants the glory to go to him. You see, when Moses said at the burning bush, "Why, just send somebody else. I'm not even a good speaker. The Lord didn't dispute that. And the Lord didn't heal him from that. The Lord provided Aaron. And the Lord is telling us through that that he uses people like us knowing our imperfections, knowing our inabilities, knowing all of our weaknesses because it is in our weakness that he is made strong. And the very fact that the slaves were ever freed from Egypt is not a testament to how impressive and persuasive Moses was, but how great and powerful God is. You see, when Pharaoh asked the question, you know, who is the Lord? He's not asking it out of curiosity. He's asking it more out of disdain. Why should I obey this God who allows his people to be enslaved... ...and then sends representatives like this? Why should I, the most powerful man on earth, have anything to do with them? Well, the fact that he asked the question in a wrong manner... ...doesn't negate the fact that it still is a good question. Who is the Lord? In fact, the Lord Jesus with his disciples... He asked them essentially the same question. He said to them, who do men say that I am? Who am I? And the disciples said, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist raised from the dead or one of the prophets. And then Jesus asked that all important question that you need to answer as well. But who do you say that I am? And you remember that's when Peter made that famous, famous confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Now, similar questions, but very different motives. When Peter said that, he's making a confession of faith. When Jesus asked that, he's asking that to bring them to that point of that confession of faith, that rock of faith. When Pharaoh asks it, he's asking it with a justify yourself. How dare you come to me telling me that I have to obey your God. And so uh, Pharaoh would want to say to them, It's futile to try to dethrone the one that enthroned you. And that's what every political leader, that's what everyone needs to understand on the face of the earth. It doesn't matter whether you're an elected leader or a dictator or you inherited your throne as a king. None of you could rule or reign without God allowing it to happen. Your power comes from God. And I would say that to every boss. I would say that to moms and dads as you are the authority in your family. Pastors need to realize this with the authority we have in the church. It all comes from God and it all is for His His glory. And we better not try to take His place or usurp that. This is the question, who is the Lord? And if He's who we say He is, then it ought to make a difference in our attitude, our outlook, and certainly in our actions. And His rulership, kingship, ought to be displayed in our lives. Which brings us to a third question, and here's the big concern. We get on down to verse 3, and they say that the God of the Hebrews is met with us, and let us go three days journey into the desert, and sacrifice to the Lord our God, now listen to this, lest he fall on us with pestilence and with the sword, and so the question here is, to whom are you accountable, to whom are you accountable, is it Pharaoh, Because Pharaoh's not going to go for this. And we already knew that. God told Moses, I am going to harden his heart. He's not going to be in favor of this. And if you're accountable to Pharaoh, then you just drop it and you go back to work. You just try not to make waves. You don't want to cause any more trouble. But if your accountability is to God, then this is a God that you worship. This is a God to whom you offer those sacrifices as he has commanded. This is the God that you understand if you don't obey him and worship him above all others, that there's an accountability for all of that. You reap what you sow. And so they are bringing this out to Pharaoh... ...and this is basically telling Pharaoh... ...we fear the retribution of God... ...we fear the discipline of God... ...we fear the displeasure of God... ...more than we would ever fear what you could do to us. Now when we read that at first glance... ...it kind of seems maybe even a little out of place... ...but understand as Pharaoh's ears are picking up these words... These men standing before him are basically saying whatever it is you may do doesn't matter. We are concerned about what God says and thinks and will do in these situations. To whom are you accountable? Well, don't you wish elected officials felt accountability to the people that elected them? But some of them have just disdain. They get into office and they run on one platform. They run on one set of promises. And then they completely ignore it when they get to Washington or wherever. Don't you wish they felt a sense of accountability? But I wonder today if God looks at us and wonders about us. Here we are singing praises to him, singing about his kingship and his sovereignty and his rule. And then we violate everything that he says. And then we ignore what is clearly spoken in his word. And we do what we know is wrong. And we fail to do what we know is right. We become lazy. We become apathetic. Because we don't really sense that there is any true accountability. You know, the Bible says God is not mocked. What you reap, you're going to sow. The Bible tells us that the sins of the fathers, the parents... Are visited. In other words, they have an effect on the generations to come after them. But we don't really believe that. The Bible says we all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The Bible says we're going to give an account for every idle word. But we don't really believe that. And we think that we can live the way we want to live, do what we want to do, when we want to do it, the way we want to do it. And we really don't sense any accountability. And yet, that's what is brought out here. This is a clash between the two kingdoms. Chuck Colson called it kingdoms in conflict, and that's the world that we live in. The retribution of God meant nothing to Pharaoh. It didn't move him one inch closer toward obedience because he just didn't care. So the question on that to whom are you accountable? Do you care? Do you understand that that God has something to say about even the thoughts that you have, the motives that are hidden down in your heart. He wants truth in Psalm 51 in the inward parts from the inside out. And that brings us into this fourth question, and that would be the biggest battle. Do we yield to God or do we yield to Pharaoh? Do we yield to the one who is sovereign over all or do we yield to the temporary powers that be in our lives? The Bible says in verse 4, Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And that's why I think there was more there than Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron were not slaves at that time in Egypt. They didn't have any labor in Egypt. They had been in the desert. They're coming back into Egypt now and uh, they didn't have any work to get back to. Who was he saying get back to work? There must have been some people there who were slaves and who did have responsibilities to and under the authority of Pharaoh. Keep Uh, stop taking these people from their work and you guys get back to work and get back to doing what you were supposed to do. Now when Pharaoh says this, can you imagine what it must have done to those elders who were standing with them? I mean, I'm sure when this happened to Moses and Aaron, they're thinking, what's going on here? Where's God and why isn't he working? And to those people that stood there with him, they probably couldn't get out of there fast enough. We don't know them, and we don't know what they're doing, and we don't have anything to do with them. Yes, sir, boss, we're back to work. Can you kind of imagine what is happening here, what is going on in this situation? Because we're going to yield to somebody. The Bible talks about you can't serve two masters. Remember that? You'll serve one and despise the other. And despise doesn't mean to hate. Not in, not in the Bible. In the Bible, despise means to take lightly, to overlook. So you're going to serve one and you're going to dismiss the other one. You can't have it both ways. And that's what I think is happening here. And I'll show you in a minute why I think that. I think at this point, the choice is, do we continue on with what God has said? Doesn't look like it's working. This thing is not coming together the way that we thought it would. In fact, things are getting ready to get worse for the people of God, not better. So what is going to happen? Are they going to buckle? Are they going to wilt? Are they going to give in? Who are they going to follow? To whom are they going to submit? To whom are they going to yield? It's the choice you and I have every day, multiple times a day. Who are we going to yield to? in other words well the Bible says that when the king said get back to work you know what they did? they went back to work and uh, Pharaoh actually then makes it worse because that issue that put them in slavery in the first place was the Hebrews were growing there in Egypt so big in number the Egyptians were afraid of them well Pharaoh says the same thing the people of this land are many now and you make them rest from their labor there's a lot of them and they're not getting the work done and it's affecting our economy get back to work now as we think about Pharaoh and we think about his command it kind of carried a threat with it didn't it now earlier they had said we need to go offer sacrifices or God is going to have something to say about it but then Pharaoh says you get back to work or I'll have something to say about it And the people began to question, they began to doubt, and they began to kind of buckle under all of that. Who is going to carry the most weight, God or Pharaoh? That's a good thing for all of us to evaluate in our own lives, isn't it? In fact, I'll ask you this question. Does G-O-D get your attention as much as the I-R-S or your J-O-B does? Some people are scared to death of the retribution that might come if the IRS says we're going to audit you and they panic on all of that. And yet God says you're going to reap what you sow and they just slough it off like it's no big deal. There's some of you that you are terrified at what your boss might say on your job. And yet with God, it's not, well, he'll understand. It's no big deal. It's just God. And we don't take him seriously. And maybe one of the big reasons for us going through what we're going through right now is to get to know God, to reevaluate our lives, and to take God seriously once again because we realize how fragile life is. And I'll tell you another thing I think people are starting to realize. Our economy and our nation, as strong and as powerful as it is, is much more fragile than we even think. You have to understand that in this showdown and this clash, there is an element of faith. Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to obey? Who is it that really gets your attention? You know, this is a question for Pharaoh. Who are you going to believe? And we already know the answer for that because God already told us the answer, right? This is a question for the people of Israel. Who are you going to believe? Moses is here. Aaron is here. And God has spoken, more importantly. Now, who are you going to believe? Both lions are going to roar. Both kings are speaking. Both kings have uh, put out their demand and their will and their decree. Which king are you going to obey? If you go down to chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron, who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. You know what they were saying? Moses, you say you came here to deliver us and you say you came here by the decree of God and now look what's happened. Pharaoh hates us worse and Pharaoh is coming after us and we're going to pay. And you know what they were saying? We fear the retribution of Pharaoh more than we do The retribution of God. We take the word of Pharaoh more seriously than we take the word of God. And that's the condition of a lot of people today. Maybe even you. Will you think about that? But this is also a question for Moses. Because if you go on down to verse 22, here's what was on Moses' heart. He didn't understand it all either. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord... Why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it that you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. Lord, you're laying down on the job. Lord, you seem to be cowing down to Pharaoh. Pharaoh seems to be winning. Why am I even here, Moses is saying. Boy, he's a great man of faith, isn't he? And so here you have Pharaoh is the only one who is confident. Pharaoh sees no reason to give in to God or to give in to the people. And he is resolute. His heart is hardened. He's not going to be moved. But the people who would be the subject of the deliverance, they're starting to wilt like pansies in the July sun. And Moses himself is even, even saying after this, this isn't what I planned. This isn't the way it was supposed to go. Even though God told him, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart, Moses is saying, we did what you said and the people aren't delivered. Why aren't you working? And his indictment is against God. Boy, God is merciful here, isn't he? He doesn't bring anything against Moses at this point. He lets him talk. But God has a plan even when we don't. He's working even when we don't understand. And that's why these questions really are for you and for me for everyday life. Who are you? Are you a child of God or not? If you're not a child of God, then none of this applies to you. And you're lost and without hope. But if you're a child of God, you know Him and you know better. And you know what His Word has to say. And you know His power. Who are you? Why are you buckling down before the world? And then that question, what do you really think of God? What do you really think of God? It's one thing to come to church or in your living room and uh, sing songs about the power of God and then panic. It's one thing to talk about the faithfulness of God and then wonder how he's going to see you through. He is your father. He is your shepherd. He will protect you. He will defend you. And He will provide for you. You've got to trust in Him. And if you've never trusted in Him, our prayer is that you will remember that you as a sinner have someone who died in your place on the cross and that that sacrifice can make you acceptable to God. And if you trust in Him... And he promised whoever calls upon the name of the Lord in that saving manner, repenting of their sins and believing the good news of Christ... Will be saved, And whether you trust Him or not as Savior and Lord reveals what you really think about Him. And for those of us who are saved, day by day that question comes up. What do we really think of God? What do we really know about Him? And what message are we portraying to our children and to our neighbors and to people that we work with? What are we portraying? Is this a God who is powerful? A God who can be depended upon? Or is this just something that we are left to work out for? ...for ourselves, in our own strength and in our own power. And that's not much, is it? And the other question is, does accountability, does accountability get your attention? Do you ever think about the fact that you are accountable to God... ...for the way you spend your money, for the way you spend your time... ...for the way you use your life, for the way you take care of yourself? I mean, all kinds of accountability. And we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ... Christian, will your life go through the fire as wood, hay, and stubble, or as gold and silver and precious stones to be refined? And then understand that the accountability here, where does it come from? Does it come from God, or does it come from somewhere else? What if that sin that you were committing in secret right now were to be exposed? Well, let me tell you, it already is. Now, I may not know about it, and no one else on earth may know, but God knows. And there are some people that go, whew, I would die if my wife knew. I would die if my friends knew. I would die if the church knew. But if God knows, well, that's no big deal. Do you see something wrong with that? And something that's out of kilter about that? Accountability before God. And then also the question every day. To whom will you surrender? Hey church, hey Christian, you serve an eternal God and you were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Jesus said to Pilate face to face, my kingdom is not of this world. It supersedes this world. It's bigger. It outlasts this world. So to whom are you going to bow? To whom are you going to yield? the temporary, passing, fleeting kingdom of this world, or to the eternal God who is our eternal King. So there are some questions for you to think about during this time. Questions that I wish our leaders would think about. And that is, who are we? Are we servants of these people that are leading us? Are we servants of the state? Are we servants of a boss or an employer? Or are we the people of God? And when we think about that, then the question is, then who is God? And if He is supreme, then we need to act like it. And we need to live that way. And we need to yield to Him, don't we? We also need to understand that there is accountability. And we need to think about that accountability. And to whom are we accountable? Is it only to the IRS or only to the government or only to the cops or only to the boss? Or are we accountable to God? And do we understand that? And then that fourth question that is so important, to whom will we yield? Do we have the same sense of uh, servanthood To the Lord that we do to everyone and anything else? Or is there that higher calling of knowing that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? Remember that in Joshua? That's the cry and that's the choice that every one of us must make every single day. So as you think about these things, and as we go through these times of the quarantine and the virus, well, we're coming out of them. So what will we do when we come out of these things? And I think these four questions give us a lot of direction and a lot to think about. Whom, to whom will you yield? And my prayer is that you will yield to the sovereign one, the king of kings and lord of lords the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow for a word of prayer as we close. And uh, may the Lord bless you. And again, thank you so much for watching this live stream. Father in heaven, we think about Moses before Pharaoh and we realize it wasn't really Moses against Pharaoh. It was God against Pharaoh. And at this particular point in the story, Pharaoh seems unmoved. He's not even breaking a sweat. And his authority seems sure, his commands are carried out. But we know from reading the story, that's just temporary. May we look at life and understand all of those who are powerful, all of those who have authority. It's all temporary, and it was all granted by you. And we need to appeal to a higher cause, a higher call, and look to a higher throne, the King of kings and Lord of lords. May you own our heart. May you rule our heart. May your kingdom come so that your will is done on earth as it is in heaven, regardless of what earthly kings may say. And may we always, always show proper respect and give honor to whom honor is due whether it's a president or someone in Congress or a governor or a mayor or a city councilman, whatever it may be, we will give them honor as it is due. But we will never honor them above our God. To God be the glory we surrender to you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.